0: Welcome to Rad Parenting. The music that you're listening to, yes, country, honky-tonk. That's Chris Shiflet of the Foo Fighters. He's the lead guitar player and our guest today. But the music you're hearing right now, that is his other band, Chris Shiflet and the Dead Peasants, on vinyl right there for you. Chris is our guest. Anna and I sat down with Chris, and we talked about everything that you can imagine, from him being in the Foo Fighters, of course, touring, and being a dad of three boys, how he works that all out with his wife, the juggling, the balancing. We also talked about Chris and I growing up together. I was actually in my first band when I moved to LA with Chris and he was the bass player. And he went on to be the guitar player in the Foo Fighters and I'm here talking to you guys, yes! All right, check it out, I'm gonna do a giveaway. Yes, got Chris to sign a copy of The Dead Peasants on vinyl. Uh, And if you want to win this, all you need to do is go to our Rad Parenting page on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com. Search Rad Parenting Show. Picture of Anae and I will show up. Go to that page. Like our page. And then on that page, share this interview with all of your friends. And I'll pick someone that shared it. And I'll send you the record for free. And you'll have it on vinyl. And you'll be listening to your honky-tonk. Getting your honky tonk on? Can you get your honky tonk on? I don't even know if that's possible. I will shut up, and uh, we're going to do this, and I'll pick a winner by April fifteenth. So you got a whole month to do this. How does that sound? All right. Here's Chris Shiflet, Anaya, and I talking about rad parenting. Welcome to rad parenting, Joe Sib. Here with my co-host Anaya Bogue. Hey. And my, my friend is our guest today. Very exciting. Chris Shiflett. welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm, so, I'm a
1: rad parent, so, you know, hey. You know what?
0: You are, man. And you're, you, I got to say that when I started doing the podcast, um, I told Inea that I sent it to you and that you were one of my first friends to say, hey, man, I want to be on that. Yeah, true. And yeah. you hooked up the, the Caballero you know,
1: interview. It started like a whole sort of uh, stream of consciousness conversation between us about, you know, future podcast topics.
0: Well, you're, you have your own podcast.
1: I do. Give well, a plug. Uh, I can do that on your podcast. Yes, you okay. can. Walking the Floor is my podcast. And we talk to uh, mostly like musicians and stuff, but um, really just about anybody. You got to come be on my podcast. I would love to be on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, we've been talking about doing that for a long time. We got to get to it.
0: Uh, for everyone that's listening, Chris Shifflett, uh you may know him from his podcast, Walking the Floor, uh, but you, you may probably know him. Know him. You <laughs> probably know him from the Foo Fighters. <laughs> and I will say that uh, Foo Fighters is such a, a huge band. And for a guy that I actually, my, the first band I ever played with in, uh, you remember us? Me and you yeah. in L.A. Yeah. You were the bass player. I was the singer. There were some other guys in the band. Mark, pa- Mark, our buddy yep. Mark from Santa Mark Barbara that you introduced us made to. Made
1: those t-shirts for us of our band yep. name. We were oh called The Other Side.
0: And wait, it was brief. Wait, wait, how old were you was at this brief? point? I was 23. Okay. I just moved to Los Angeles. Okay. I was 23. So you were probably what? I was, must have been, I don't know, I was 15. about 19, I think,
1: at the time. I remember I used to, at the time I worked in in this office out in the valley, and I would show up to band practice in like my little office outfit. And Joe didn't know me. We weren't like close friends, but it was what led to us becoming close friends. We'd be like, what is with this guy? He's such a dork. He dresses like this office kook.
0: I wish everyone that was listening right now could see the video in my head of you showing up. What car do you drive back then? I think I was in a little Honda Civic. you were in a little Honda yeah. Civic, and I remember I'm my at, grandma's Honda Civic. I'm on the corner of uh, Western and uh, Los Feliz, I think. So, you know, with that area right there, mm-hmm. and uh, it back then it was just a terrible area, and there was Hollywood this Billiards. Hollywood Billiards. That's yes. where we rehearsed. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and waiting for Chris and he showed up in his little car and he had it. But uh, you know what? I thought the opposite because I was so scared living in Hollywood when I first moved here. I was drawn to Chris because I'm like, oh, wow, this guy has his – he has it together. Like (laughs) he's not sketched like the other two dudes in that room. Like the other people we were practicing with, they like lived there. Mark was covered in tats and and I was like, oh, my gosh. Chris was like my savior. I was like, you're more like me because – I played bass in that band. You played bass? I wasn't even playing guitar. I was playing bass.
1: And we went to that – we went to go see X
0: or something. And didn't you break your leg jumping off the stage? I broke oh my, my leg. No, I broke my leg. The time you and I went to adolescence. Ah, uh, okay. okay. And, I, and, I, yeah. and I, and I broke my leg going to an adolescence show. And then Chris and everyone was like, we think your legs broken, but I drank so much. I'm like, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> and then, uh, the, that Sunday morning when I woke up, I'm like, I agree with you guys. My, my ankle is broken and went to the hospital. And oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: See kids be careful out there. Punk rock is dangerous. Yes.
0: But man, the thing that's great is your journey. Uh, it's been as a friend, it's been so awesome to watch. Um, obviously, the journey that you've had with the Foo Fighters, uh, getting a chance on Side One Dummy to put out the Dead Peasants record. Mm, yeah. I mean, the thing I've always loved about you, Chris, is whatever you do, you do it 100%. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, hey, I'm going to learn the country guitar and I'm going to go down that road with Dead Peasants, you've made that something that's a huge priority in your life. Uh, when, you, when we started surfing together, you know, we would both kind of started surfing at the same time. This guy, I'm still on the longboard, he's riding the shortboard. Board in Hawaii and showing me photos. I'm like, I'm not going out there. Like there's no half. When Chris got time. into boxing, he got into boxing. And the guy that trains me was like, Yo, Holmes, Chris has a lot of heart. Like he would fight people. You would go down, downtown LA, he fight these guys. Everyone said sometimes that sort of
1: obsession uh it leads you into dark places. But I think, you know, so it's, it's, it's my my wife might have a different take on it than you. But but uh but yeah, it's been a good thing.
0: But the way I bring it all around though is uh is that all the things you've always been into, and then you started a family. And out of all of my friends, I never expected you to have three
1: boys. <laughs> Believe you me, I never expected to have three boys. I'm <laughs> one of three boys, You know, I'm the youngest of three. Um, so it was, it's been fun for my mom to sit back and laugh and go, ha-ha. Yeah. Ha. Now, now <laughs> you get yours. to deal with it, too.
0: I, I got to rewind because Ana and I have so many questions. But I I think we'll start with, you know, did you – growing up with three boys – what was your family upbringing like? What's the family parenting dynamic that you grew up with? We call it in this show, like, our toolbox. Like, well, what yeah, were the and tools? I, and,
2: well, I think, I mean, if we could narrow that even further, what I want to know is how did that parenting dynamic or family dynamic contribute, do you think, to you going down this extraordinary path, being that, like, no half-stepping personality?
1: Well, it's 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 interesting. You know, when, when I was a kid, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, um, and I think that my fam- family dynamic was pretty normal for that time. I mean, my parents were really kind of progressive in in their way with with parenting. Um, Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. Um, Beautiful. And I I say it was normal for that time because, you know, my parents got divorced when I was really young. Like, I almost don't really remember them being together. I was maybe two or three years old, I think, when they separated and ultimately divorced. And we bounced around, uh, me and my brothers, between my mom and my dad until I was about six. And then my mom had custody, and we spent the rest of, you know, our childhood years with her. Um, and my mom was a great mom. I, I, as a parent now, uh, I look back on how she raised us and I, and I, have, to, I have just tons of respect. My mm-hmm. mom's a really strong, wonderful woman who worked full time. Um, and, you know, to, to back up a little bit in, in her life, you know, when she went, when she grew up and went to college, she just assumed that she was going to be a housewife. You know, that was Mm -hmm. in the late Mm -hmm. 50s, early 60s. Even the fact that she
2: went to college. Right,
1: was kind of an anomaly at that that time. And so she got a degree in, like, anthropology or something. Nothing that she ever thought she was going to build a career out of. Mm -hmm. And then she did become a a housewife, you know, Mm -hmm. for uh, quite a while. Um, And then, so when she divorced my dad and went out into the workforce, she had to start from the you know from the very bottom she started as a clerk typist uh at the probation department up in Santa Barbara and then worked her way up ultimately to to being a supervisor of of uh, probation so she was um you know she worked full time my whole childhood and you know that that was i think a good example to to see your parents work hard yeah sure um but it was also you know for my childhood freed up a, a lot a of lot. time for me and my brothers <laughs> to to get into trouble and kind of go around. a very different era of parenting than what we have now with, like, the helicopter parenting sure. that we all kind of do. My mom loved us and was as involved in our lives as she could be. But, like, I don't remember a lot of, you know, she didn't arrange play dates mm-hmm. or anything yes. like that. You know, we were just kind of left to our own devices. And even on the weekends, my mom was busy, you know, taking care of errands, cleaning the house, shopping, you know, cooking, mm-hmm. whatever, um, and um, doing the wash. What you know, She had three boys to take care of, and she was doing it 100% on her own. So... It's not like today. It's very different than how we parent, you know. The, one of the upsides of what I do for a living is that although I'm gone a lot, when I'm home,
2: you're really you home. You know, I'm really
1: home and yeah. I'm and I'm there for my kids and it's and it's uh, it's assumed and it's great. it will be interesting to see when our kids, you know, our generation's kids all grow up if how that's a plus or a minus, I don't know. How old are your boys right uh, now? M- my boys are 12, 9 and 8. Wow.
2: No, that's, that's really cool. And I think that it's interesting, and Joe and I have talked a lot about what what might be the sweet spot, you know, the way that we, we all grew up with our parents, I mean, for the most part, not being helicopter parents. And I think even with parents that stayed home – Um, there was still like, I I can remember with my brother, my mom was home for the first nine years of my life and then she went back to work. But I still remember us having tons of time to just be off on our own doing stuff. And I wonder how much that has to do with us having the space to become individuals in our own right and not be like just extensions of our parents and their agenda.
0: I really think that that is such an important question that so many of us as parents are going through because I grew up, same situation as Chris, you know, my mom, worked so hard uh, selling real estate. You know, I always say that she was the original multitasker because Mm. she could sell real estate, be on the phone, smoke a cigarette and be stirring a margarita at the same time (laughs) and be making us dinner, like just uh, doing everything, you know? And it was a real, it was a real conscious effort of hers to always say, you know, whatever you want to do, you got to figure it out. You know, Mm -hmm. there was no room to say, I'm bored. Help me, you know, drive me here, drive me there. Now that leads to the question because Chris and I go back and forth. Obviously, you know, we talk during the week and, you know, he's driving the kids to the surf lesson. I'm driving my son to baseball practice, picking my daughter up from drama camp, or, or you know, drama. The question, you know, how how's how does that all play out when we're putting all these activities in there? Because sometimes I wonder. I had this question, you know, I, I asked a parent the other day, and I think I talked about on another podcast. They were, they were picking one, they were picking their kid up from uh, basketball practice. He's switching uniforms into mm. baseball, and it's it's. Like and that's normal now. Yeah, yes. that's normal. and it was almost. They were almost like, "Isn't isn't your son gonna play the baseball?" I'm like, "No," because baseball season hasn't started. Will no, he on, on
1: Mondays, my eight year old is in a school play till four thirty. My wife picks him up. He changes into a soccer outfit in the car and shows up a little bit late to his club soccer practice. You know, yeah. and then he's got to come home and do if he's got some homework. Right I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is insane. How, I don't call. Up, I don't call the Yeah, and you know, on.
0: I saw your minivan. You know, I have the minivan. I don't call it the minivan. I call it backstage because it's just people changing <laughs> more gear. Like the, the, I, you know, you you open up our van. There's. All the gear for everybody that you know that needs to do what they do, but I—I I mean, what do you think about that, Anea? What do you? How do you? How does it play out at the end? Do you do the same thing with your kids? Or are they running?
2: I really try not to over schedule my okay. kids, um, I, and that's been a, a conscious choice on my part to try to create like. I'll straight up be like, you go have some time for you. Like, go have some me time. I'm going to go have my me time. And I think that it really does give them an opportunity. Um, plus, it would make me crazy. I mean, I already do so much um, that I think it would make me crazy and I'd become resentful. And I think that happens to a lot of parents. Like, we have really good intentions, but we don't take into account how is that that resentment or stretching ourselves too thin you know, plus the our kids feeling stressed, within creating just a powder keg of like, you know, just unhappiness. So you're well, saying it's oh. it's
1: interesting because we actually, relative to a lot of people around us, mm-hmm. are on the light side of overscheduling. I mean, I think our kids are overscheduled to some extent, but what we try to do uh, as parents is just sign them up for the things that they say they want to do. Ah, if our kids want to do it, I mean. And that's a balancing act because you know most of the things that my kids love they didn't want to do mm. the first time. Yeah, you know whether it's surfing or soccer or mm-hmm. you know music or any of the stuff. I so it's kind of knowing when to give them a gentle nudge, nudge. sure, and not being too heavy handed with it. But. Yep. but but at, at the age they are now, all my kids, we just we let them make their own choices and then you know facilitate them doing it. And I think par- part of that is the fact that when we all grew up, you were just your sort of social life and your activities were all centered probably within walking distance of your exactly. house for the most part., yep. and that doesn't exist in where we live anymore. Same here.
0: Yeah, yeah we're, we're driving constantly. My just mom driving. didn't
1: have to drive me to soccer practice. My mom didn't have to drive me to school. She didn't have to drive me to almost anywhere, and therefore didn't. You know. Yeah,
2: I, I I grew up in a little, like I grew up on Lockport Road in a little town called Lockport, if that gives you any idea. So anywhere we needed to go, we actually did need a ride. Ah. But I was so close to my brother. And I mean, you know, like ha- having, having a sibling and being trapped out in the country, you get really close and really creative. Um, but anyway, so here's what I want to know, though, in terms of. So, because we've also talked a lot about how, um, as parents, part of what we schedule our kids for often has to do is sort of like an extension of our own. Like, either I wish I could have, or I'm good at this, so my kid, my kid's definitely going to try totally, this out. Totally, totally. So, for you, Chris, has how have you managed? I mean, as a, a highly, highly successful musician, how has that played into the, what your boys want to do, or have you pushed them in that direction?
1: Well, it's played into it in a big way because um, at early we, I started taking guitar lessons when I was about eleven, mm-hmm. and I try to remind myself of this constantly when it comes to my own kids' music lessons and how we deal <laughs> with them. I was the worst guitar student. Ever. I took lessons a lot from the time that I was about 11 till I was about 14 and then really didn't take them again. I take them now, you know, as an adult. I'll go take lessons from people and, and work on craft and all that stuff. But I was terrible at that when I was a kid. And it wasn't until I was in high school and started playing in bands that it clicked for me and became like an obsessive thing, you know, playing. You know, I just wanted to play all the time. But not in that sort of studious way. It was just being in a room with your friends. So I try to remind myself of that because early on... We started all my kids when they were about six years old on piano. And the reason I started them on piano was because I wish that that's what I had done. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: I did the same thing with Nate. Right. Same exact thing. I always told him, I want you to play piano. And he's like, he, he was started out on drums. And then I told him you're not going to get any publishing, so don't, you don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, said, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I did. Drums. You know, no, I, no. But what, I, what what it did come down to is exactly what you said. I always wish I could play piano because I always loved when you were at a party and someone could sit down and and do the party trick where they knew like three or four Beatles songs, or it's, or it's and Christmas and Christmas yeah, they sing some Christmas. I love right. that. whatever. And Absolutely. that's I did and, exactly what you did. But,
1: But it's also it makes the most sense if you're ever going to learn anything else Mm -hmm. to start there. And so I can you explain to
0: our listeners like why why? that makes sense? Well, because
1: the piano is laid out in a really logical way. You see everything in front of you. Octaves. Yeah, you see it all. It's all, and it just repeats itself over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, And and written music, if you want to go down that road, is is written I think for piano. It's it just lines up with it perfectly. Whereas it doesn't make any sense for guitar, and, and guitar is laid out really. You know in a kooky way where i don 't want to get too, in, too into the weeds with that, but it's just it's it 's easier um visually to learn piano mm-hmm. and I think it really helps with um, you know songwriting with everything, understanding melody and theory and all that stuff later on down the road. But I tried to approach it when we started the kids as just this is math, this is exercising your brain mm-hmm. i don 't care if you ever join a band i don 't care if you give this up in a few years. But right now, this is math, and we're just, we're just doing this with, with your brain, and we're just helping you. This is going to make you better with everything, everything. in your life. Oh. So you may hate it right now, but I'm going to press the issue, and I'm going to make you do this for a while. And then when you're 14, if you do go, hey, you know what, I want to play guitar, or I want to play saxophone, or I want to play anything, you've got that knowledge of that, you know, that foundation, that knowledge base that you can take with you in, in any other thing. And I see that happening with my kids now, you know, that they're getting a little bit older.
0: Yeah, and, and, That they
1: appreciate it a little bit more. I love
0: it. Yeah, and, and there is that fine line that you just said, you know, with lessons at our household, you know, when when my son first started playing. And he, I mean, he's, you know, he, he plays great. He can sing and, and way better than we ever anticipated. But it, it was the lessons down the road that really started. And it's funny you bring up the math thing because now – I've noticed uh, how piano and math and all that kind of do mesh together oh, which yeah. I never noticed that before gotta ask you a crazy question because I've told my son this a million times the reason I got him to play piano I told him it would make him a better drummer because it's the first instrument you really kind of learn where one part of your body's doing one thing that the other hand yeah, isn't it? Uh, is that true uh, yeah absolutely okay. I'm not yeah. a liar you're
2: getting both sides of your brain talking yeah. to each other yeah. I mean there's so there are so many okay. benefits I think though what's interesting too and if you you probably are already communicating this even if it's inadvertently but when you said I was a terrible guitar student, but when I was, you know, 15 or whatever, and I could start playing in bands and have fun, and that makes me think about our interview with Stevie, where that's what that was the whole thing. Like, do it because it's fun. Don't do it because you want to be a professional musician or a professional skater or just looking at the end game. You're doing it in the moment because it's fun.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I I would be um, lying if I said... That I have that I have been per- perfect about it because I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've been a total hypocrite with my kids, especially when they were younger, where we would and it really created some friction in our house, mostly with with my with my oldest son because mm-hmm. you know he was the first and he was the first at everything, um, and you sort of learn it's tough being the oldest son because your parents learn all the mistakes yep. and then they don't repeat <laughs> them as as much with, <laughs> with the, the younger two, so it seems um, sort of inherently unfair, but. We got into so many arguments. So many times practicing the piano would end in tears Mm -hmm. with him crying and me pissed off. And I really had to check myself on that. Because it was just ruining it for him.
2: Yeah, and, and again, I think that there is that sweet spot of not cushioning so much. Like, oh, I never want them to feel uncomfortable. I never want them to be afraid. I never want them to feel, like, frustrated because it's too much work. We want them to, to establish a, a, or develop a work ethic, but we also don't want them to be pushed too far and to, down a road that they just don't want to be part well, this of. This
1: is a huge thing that, that, that I've struggled with as a parent, and I try to communicate this to my kids when with everything, with schoolwork, with, with mm-hmm. sports, with music. I don't care if you're the best. I just want you to try the hardest you can try. Mm-hmm. You know, just as long as you know you did your best work. And so I get really frustrated and angry and and express that, you know, inappropriately from time to time with my kids when I can tell, because, you know, you're their parent. You can tell. You're like, I know you were half-assing. Enough. You're phoning it I saw you, in. you walking uh, it in. walking around when <laughs> yeah. the ball was 10 feet from you. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Come
0: I, on. I had an experience with uh, with my son recently. He's in a school band where, you know, very. it's a cool band. It's not like, flutes and violins, which that's cool too, but these, no, 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 I don't want anyone to be like, dude, what's wrong yeah. with the flute and violin? No, he's in the band where they learn the songs and he's the singer and, you know, they play the rock songs and uh, they're doing, they did like Gloria and a, a Creedence Clearwater song, but I went to see him play and um, they they were the headliner. They were going to close the show. And I mm-hmm. told my son before the show, I said, Hey man, you know what, man, you're closing it. So you better bring it. And uh, before the show there's, you know, they're running around, they're doing the tag and I'm like, dude, you know, you're going on in a few minutes. There's no prep. And he phoned it in, and at the end, and the, the band before him crushed. They went up there and crushed. I wish I knew their names because I would give them a shout out right now. They're so good. And I was sat up front, and uh, and when we got done, I was I was giving them ride home, and he was so bombed and so upset. And it was the first time ever he said to me, he goes, he goes, what do you think? What do you think? And I go, do you w- really want me to tell you what I think? And I go, I think you guys, I think you guys blew it. And he and he looked at me, and he like, what? Mm-hmm. And I go, dude, you phoned it in. Mm-hmm. And I go. First thing is, you're the singer. Learn the lyrics. Let's start there. And he just looked at me. And I, as a parent, I was like, "Whoa, this is a new road I'm going down." And all that. I And I want to ask you because mm-hmm. I didn't say like I didn't go down the road of and you suck or yeah. you're bad. Yeah. And I just said, "Hey, man, it hurts right now, doesn't it? Doesn't feel good." And he started crying. He goes, we were terrible, Dad. We were mm. terrible. And, and he starts going through his band. And I knew he's a band member because sure has his guitar too loud. What was going on with you know his drummer guy? Doesn't he's hitting the cymbals? And then he goes like this and the who's running that and I'm like (laughs) wow he's seasoned wow I'm
2: like you're blaming everyone Uh. I go I go buddy you're blaming everyone but yourself. The only person you have control over is yourself. That's number one. And number two, what I like about what you did and this is what I think is important for us as parents is it's one thing and I think we have an obligation as people who love our children like this has got to be the safest place for you to like you know try things out not not just as parents for the kids. this has got to play be the place where they can they can screw up they can they can have big successes. But I think that the the difference between us as parents critiquing their ability, Versus critiquing their effort. And I thought, right? it was, yeah. You critiqued his effort. You're like, you, you you, you, phoned it in. Yeah. You didn't do, if you, I believe, Joe, even, you know, already, I know this about you. If you had seen him out there doing his best and then he was hanging his head low in the car because he just felt like it wasn't what I wanted it to be, whatever. All the other guys yeah. didn't do that. But you would have been like, you know what? But I saw you out there giving it your all. And that's what matters. The thing
0: that saved me, though, and 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 I I thought of you right away. Was all I kept saying in my head was, "Don't shame them, yeah. mm. don't shame them." And I never even knew that word until we started doing this podcast. <laughs> which I wish I would have started this podcast ten years ago. <laughs> Sorry to my oldest. Yeah, I, you know, you can try again with your grandkids. You know, yeah. d- speaking of shaming, you know, three boys, there's got to be a huge musical taste going on in your household. Uh, you know, as you know, well, you, you know, what's great, um, I. This is, a, this is a very interesting thing with the
1: way that people um, get their music nowadays. It's so different. And there's so much more to distract kids that my kids, for a long time, I was concerned. Like, why aren't they into music the way I am? Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't they? I, when I was six, I was obsessed with music. Mm-hmm. When I was four, I was obsessed with music. And because music was my iPad back then. You know what I mean? And like, And they have iPads. So it's just not, it's mm-hmm. just, it's really hard to accept as a parent. Like, we just live in a very different world. But so I got them all. Spotify accounts and Sonoses in their rooms so they can like listen to the whole, anything Wait, what that's that ever been recorded word? Sonos it's like a home audio uh, oh, okay. system Got it's it. great There's, uh, little speakers you mm-hmm. stick them all over your okay. house so so with with those two things they can literally listen to almost anything mm-hmm. that's ever been recorded and I and I remember this was last year when I was touring a lot and I was was leaving for tour and I said look you guys you know I got you these things develop your own musical taste like Bye. explore mm-hmm. figure it out and I came home and they were listening to like Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> and like joke songs and and then like GG uh, Allen bands like the, Nothing Against Them but bands yeah. like Bastille and Imagine Dragons just things that aren't you know it's not my taste mm-hmm. And it was great. Like, it worked. It totally worked. And now, and I always remember this with my own dad, and it, well, now they finally, after years of me trying to shove, like, the good stuff down their throats, they're finally, they've come around to the Beatles. My kids mm-hmm. are having a Beatles phase, all of them at the same time, mm-hmm. and they're learning Beatles songs on the piano, and it's like... How
0: great is a, it? It's the greatest. And not it's, brought on it totally by you? Worked. And not brought on by well, you? I
1: mean, I'd like to think I had a little influence. No, but I'm but saying I, you weren't like, I didn't listen. For, yeah. Well, I did force it on them. But they rejected it when I did that, and they took—they got there in their own path. Yeah. And I think about that with my own dad. My dad listened to, like, Bob Dylan – and uh, Old Blues and Stevie Wonder and Bob Marley. My dad was cranking Bob Marley in like 74 or whatever mm-hmm. when we were little kids, when nobody knew who Bob Marley was. He was totally hip. And at the time, we were just like, God, this sucks. Mm. What is he listening the, to? Yeah.
0: Like, For me, well, I want to listen to Kiss and the Stones. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? For it, me as a kid, it was uh, it was Carly Simon. My mom would just oh, jam Oh, yeah, my mom was like volume. James
1: Taylor and Fleetwood Mac and, mm-hmm. and all that era Jim Croce, all that. Yeah, and we just hated it. And then it's like, yeah. you know, it was there, and you get to a point where you go, oh, wait, no, that was the good stuff. That yeah. was actually better right. than most of what I was listening to. And so you have that. You, know, you yeah. just Absolutely. get that influence no matter I also,
2: what. I also think that music, is, it says so much about uh, – about, like we can learn so much about our kids – by paying attention to what they're watching, what they're listening to, just what they're drawn to as individuals and, and figure out beyond their musical taste, what else can I learn about my kid that he or she really digs that particular song or that particular artist. So I think it's also an opportunity if we give them space for that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I got to ask you a question. You brought about you brought up being on the road and Anae and I are always talking about we actually did a show. Uh, the united front, mom and dad being yeah. on the same page. Mm. Can I, I got to ask you, when you're you know you're touring a lot. I know you guys are off the road now for for a while, but when you're out on the road and and, and your wife's at home and there's three boys, mm. how do you guys manage to keep the united front with parenting?
1: That's a really tough question. Um, this is one of the prime. Um, you know, um, triggers in arguing, you know, between the arguments that my wife and I get in and, and friction between me and my kids because I'll leave for three weeks or a month or whatever it is. And I come home and they're all on a, on a routine and they're all on a schedule and it's working for them. And it's not like, you know, the world doesn't fall apart when I leave, when I leave, you know, like that's the the reality of it. The kids still do their homework. They still get to their, you know, whatever it is they're doing. Um, but maybe they're not all doing that the way I want them to exactly. And so I come home and, you know, there's, there's friction there. Um, it's, I don't have a good answer for that question because that's do something you, that we argue about a lot. You, make do stuff. you have like
2: a daily, are you in touch with them daily or are you like talking yes. to your wife daily and she's giving you like the yes. update on what's up? And oh
1: yeah. I mean, thanks to modern technology, I'm mm-hmm. FaceTiming with my kids almost every day. We're texting back and forth. You know, they all have, you know, um iPads and mm-hmm. iPhones and things like that. So um and of course my wife I talk to multiple times, you know, every day while I'm while I'm on the road. So I don't lose touch in that way. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, just no communication for 3 weeks, but yeah. um it's tough. My wife understandably gets upset because she's she'll be like,
2: back off. You know? Yeah. You don't need to
1: micromanage what I'm how right, I'm parenting. Yeah, she's like, I'm, I've had this for you're
2: the not last here. three to four you, weeks. Yeah. And um
0: <laughs> It makes me feel better because, you know, even though I'm not torn for three and four day, three and four weeks at a time or a month, um, I still run into that and i don't know if you do and you know in your household but i still run into that just on a daily basis of us sometimes not being on the same same page oh, and, it's and almost and harder I, when i'm home i mean i've been home for a couple months cuz i now. feel like what that is at that point i and i and my wife and i you know now when there's a topic and this is something i just learned to do that i'd love to share is that before we have a big conversation over something that's you know that hey so and so wants a pair of shoes they cost this much that's just recently happened in the house um you know, how are we going to make this happen? My thing is we don't get that type of shoes. Those are too expensive. My, I right. wear Vans. You know, so-and-so needs to wear a shoe that costs this amount. Well, you know, da, 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 and, I, and we don't have this whole conversation I'm having right now mm-hmm. in front of the kids. So right. we'll go. We'll have our time, a little yeah. coffee, and, you know, figure it out and then come back with a – strategize a plan right. opposed to figuring it out in front of them, which – is that better to do? Well, yeah,
2: for, well, you know that I think it is. Of course, that's yeah. part of the United Front, and really, that maybe that's the question to you, Chris. Is, so let's just say that you're, you know, all hell is broken loose while you're on on the road, and your wife calls you and says, "Okay, here's what's going on. Whether she's just venting or she really wants to be like, what? How do we manage this? And are you two able?" To even, you know, at a distance, are you able to have a conversation about, like, here? here's the deal? And I'm also, I, Chris, I'm going to get on the phone with the, the with the boys or with whichever boy it involves tonight and reinforce what you're saying.
1: We haven't had to deal with that that much, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, there have been a couple times where, um, you know, something will happen where, uh, you know, Liam will be my oldest or mm-hmm. one, any one of them will be having an issue and I'll have to hop on the phone with them and have a little talk. Mm-hmm. Um most of the sort of friction of me being gone really is between tends to be between my wife and I over mm-hmm. you know just like pointless dumb stuff that if 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 I was a more disciplined person I just wouldn't re- you know it's she'll say something you know she's going to do this for example this. well what would be a, what would be just a just so we
2: have some some sense right
0: yeah yeah um it's going to be great because people that are listening. Are like,
2: I'm not. I don't. I don't
0: travel or in the foos, but I still have that friction in my house. Yeah, you know, because I think just, all of us have it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, it's just universal. I'm trying to think of what would be a good um, example of that.
2: It's kid related or non kid related.
1: <sighs> yeah, let me let me try to think. Okay, you put me on the. Sorry, I know okay, okay.
0: it's good. It's good. Um, right now, everyone's like, God, he has the greatest relationship ever. What a great... <laughs> well, no, I mean, you
1: know, we fight about... What would be... I'm just trying to come up with a good example. Something like, you know, my wife wants to buy a, a new piece of furniture mm-hmm. or something. My wife is a does interior design, so she's mm, constantly... Nice. I mean, this that, that's why I would go to that, because that's something that constantly comes up, because she is co- always out around home stuff, and is sure. constantly, you know, oh, I want to redo this, so maybe I'll come home, and like, she's redone the living room, or wants <laughs> to redo the living room, and I'll... Lose my cool over it, and yeah, um, that can be tough. I mean, I I wish I could sit here and say that we do what what Joe and Karen do, which is to go have a cup of coffee somewhere and 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 calmly discuss it out of, uh, earshot. I didn't say, calm. I didn't say calmly. <laughs> oh, no. And I will say this for everyone,
0: for, for, for people. Um, the coffee is a lot of times it's, it's, let's go get a margarita and let's figure this out. <laughs> and then what I try to do is just deter it into what I want to have happen, but that doesn't work. You know, we do end up having that conversation. You know, how
2: many margaritas do I need to give her before she's going to be on my uh, side?
0: one and a half? We usually split, <laughs> uh, I, you know, the thing, the thing that, you know whether whether you're traveling with the Foo fighters, whether you're uh a uh you know a parent that was like our parents uh you know working and traveling, there is that constant struggle of pulling it all together. you know for me, I have two kids you know anea has two kids i gotta say three. Three. What I mean. Well, three is a
1: very different dynamic. What is two. that dynamic and like? Being uh, here with you guys today is actually it's really well timed because we had this morning before school, trying to get the kids out the door to go to school. We had the classic morning breakdown, and my this happens, <laughs> and it's not just in the morning. This is the classic friction with my children and between my wife and I and our children, where we have three boys. Okay, so you have my oldest this is my personal theory. My oldest was an only child for three years mm-hmm. and then my middle guy came along, stole some of his thunder. He has just resented him ever from, since. from the day he was born. <laughs> yeah. Had an issue with him. So, as they've gotten a little older, my the dynamic in our house is my oldest picks on my middle guy, my middle guy, you know, gets weepy and cries about it and it comes to us, oh, you know, Liam's, and a lot of times he'll be manipulating the situation too. It's not always just that, yeah. my, that my oldest is is actually out of line. Sometimes yeah. my middle guy has learned that if he, you know, Comes to mommy and daddy crying, that he, yeah. he wins. He automatically wins. Yeah. Then you throw in my youngest. Okay, my youngest is really close in age to my middle guy, so they're like two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Which my oldest recognizes and manipulates the youngest to also turn on the middle wow. guy. Okay, so it's this whole thing where Dashie starts getting it from both sides, and it's I think it hurts extra bad because my my little Amon is turning on him too, and that's supposed to be his like his yeah, ally his in the house, you know. So this morning, this is just the classic breakdown we're trying to get out of the house and I can hear from the upstairs bedroom that there's crying and there's shouting and something bad is going on so and then I hear my wife go in there and she starts getting into it with Liam get out you know you're not supposed to be in their room yada yada and my oldest he knows what's coming he knows exactly what's coming this is the same that happens almost every day he (laughs) knows he's gonna get in trouble he knows he's gonna lose the movie lose the iPad Mm. whatever it is whatever the thing that he's wanting to do that day it's gonna get taken away and I always say to him, "Why do you bother with this? You know where this is headed." Um, and he doesn't have a good answer. But he—this was like a commercial this morning. You know what he says to me when I go, "Why are you doing? Why are you doing this again? You know what's what's coming." He goes, "I swear to God," he goes. Well, you know where I get this from? I'm like, where? He goes, I get it from you. Ooh. I learned it from you. learned it from you. Learned it from you. I mean, that is like verbatim. That's a, there used Remember to be a commercial. commercial? Yeah. I learned yeah. it from you. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was, I was like, are you kidding? Oh, um, <laughs> ah. Anaya. Okay, wait.
2: But wait, I want to know what is he, like, what is the thing that he's, he was saying he learned from you? I, I don't know. I,
1: I, I think Anger.
2: Like, uh, oh, interesting. You know,
1: attacking his bra. I don't sure. know. Sure. I think really what he's learned, because he, he's heard that be said before, well, you know, if you yell, then they're gonna. You know, that, uh, I think it's. I think it's a smart kid manipulating the situation sure, sure. to make me feel bad. Yeah. Um. Because. Uh. Yeah. But I don't know. It worked. It, it made, I felt terrible. Yeah. I felt terrible for trying to discipline oh. my son, who is totally acting yeah. in the wrong. Right. And not in good faith. And all the while, my middle guy is being way overly over the top melodramatic about you know crying and everything. And it's not that bad. Yeah. So everyone's blowing it.
2: Well, but, any, but even navigating as a parent, <laughs> trying that. to... Everyone's
0: trying, blowing it a nail. Well, we're all blowing
2: it together. The, well, this is it. I mean, we're just a mess. But but I think that it's really interesting. Like, one of the biggest challenges, having three... Every child more that you have, there's another unique personality to try to navigate and figure out and be like, like so is this manipulation or is this part of who you are? And it's interesting with our... Um, you know, I've got two girls and I'm all... My default is always like... You know, helping them to be stronger, like certainly not ever shaming them for being emotional or crying or whatever. But I think I, I'm really curious with you having three boys when emotions start to run high. so so you know, we're just in the middle. I'm in the middle of creating a, a parallel boys empowerment program for a mm. girls' empowerment program that I've had for like six years now. And I've been learning so much about boys. And the way that I um sort of summarize the the way that I think we're screwing up boys is, that we tend to, to shame their emotional expression mm. outside of anger. Like, it's okay as a boy in our society to express anger. It is not okay to show vulnerability. It is not okay to show sadness. It's not okay to show that you're out of control or that you haven't, you know, you're, you're not ready to take care of everybody. So, has there been a, a, a degree of consciousness of that around that with you, you and your wife having three sons and how are we gonna raise them to be whole human beings?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I think that we do make an effort to do that. It's tough, I think, for for men of of my age, because mm-hmm. you were not allowed to. Yep. There was like exactly like what you said. You could be angry or you could be happy, but you could not be weak. Yep. And and that's and even that, even the fact that I just said weak. Yep. Crying isn't weak, it shouldn't be considered weak, but yeah. I think it is. You know what I mean? If I'm honest with you, I'm, I might, you know, I can intellectualize that it's not, and maybe in a room full of other parents, mm-hmm. I wouldn't express it that way. Sure, but the reality is inside, your programming
2: is that right. Yep. I
1: think it's weak, mm-hmm. and, and when I see it in my kids, I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't bother me sometimes. Yeah. It's trigger. I should, it's, a trigger. I, it's
0: a trigger, it's a trigger, it's a trigger. It's, uh, we talk about triggers a lot. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, in our household, uh, crying. Not so much now because uh, I've been lucky enough that you know Karen kind of made it. My wife made it. Let, let me showed me the light of like, hey, what? Well, what are you laughing about?
2: Because I love that you're trying to put it in this really sweet, gentle way. That she just took you over to the side and said, "Joe, we need to have a little chat about." No, this. no, no. Well, okay. If you want
0: to know the truth, it was like, hey, you're acting like an ass. If people want to cry, let them. Yeah. Joe why do you have an issue with crying that's yeah. been said why did, why why does crying make you weird you can't even Joe I'm crying hug me and I and yeah. I was I was just raised in a family where and I got Chris is absolutely right. It's it's a trigger of mine of like whoa time to exit. Oh, you're crying. That's not for me. Like mm-hmm. just ever since I was a, a kid, um, I never saw my mom. You know, if my mom cried, it was like it was she was ashamed. And then you know, obviously my dad. You know, I never for sure, know, yeah. never it was you know you time. probably never saw it. No, it I never saw long. anyone. Never saw a grown man cry. And now, dude, I'll say this. I don't know about uh, you know what you're saying is so true. I've learned that, and and it's great to hear you say you can realize you know what that's my issue and it's okay for someone to cry and,
1: well, and, and i think also, that's what you're saying we got to
0: do as dads is let them be whole individuals yeah. and if they got to cry we got to it's our issue we got to get over the trigger because I, I cry more now than ever it's because you're, <laughs> <'cause> you're weak that's because you no but i think if you take if you take <laughs> so great if we let's end the podcast chris shifflett thank you so much <laughs>
2: No way. Uh, no, but I think even if you go back to the comment you made about like the piano lessons, right? So you, your comment was, I wanted them to start with the piano because I wish I would have had that. Yeah. And I and I think when I speak to men, I always say like, what would you have wanted? Like if, if you could go back and have somebody not shame you or not make you feel weak when you had big emotions other than anger, you know, what might that have felt like? Because when I'm training men now on this boys program, I mean, they're having big reactions going, my life would have been completely different if somebody would have told me this. So, so the question to you, Chris, is can you find it? Can you find it in yourself or have you already? I mean, I think
1: I have to some extent. I think I can at least recognize it. You know, I, I think um, when I grew up, it's, it's inter- interesting, and I was thinking about this on the way over here. I didn't live with my dad from the mm-hmm. time that I was about six mm-hmm. on. And up, up until that time, we had sort of bounced back and forth between my mom and my dad. So I was never really raised by my dad. But my dad... And he didn't live in the same town as I did for my entire childhood, and I saw him a couple times a year at the most. Wow. But my dad was a huge influence on me. Massive. Like, yeah. gigantic. I yeah. parrot my dad in terms of almost everything. Taste in, in, in you know, art and culture and sure. politics. And, and just kind of, I feel I like am my dad in a lot of ways. You know, not not entirely, but in a lot of ways. So it's really interesting how... Your dad is so powerful in your life that even from a distance mm-hmm. from my, in my own experience, he yep. still like is equal to my mom in terms of influence. and so you know for all of us, modern parents that are so involved in our kids' lives, I mean that's a huge responsibility because you know that no matter what my 12 year old's not going to admit to me that he actually cares about what i'm saying he 's going to do the exact opposite. Yep. But you know from your own life that you're this You're massive, the most important man yeah, in figure. his life.:
2: Yeah, yeah, period. So and, and as, a, and especially as a boy, he's looking to you to figure out who he's supposed to be in the world. Whether right. he's attributed, you know, well, he did this morning. He told you. <laughs> just right. like you. I've learned it from you. I've
0: learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> I think for
1: all the mistakes that you can make and that we all do make, mm-hmm. I remember uh, a good friend of mine pointed out to me, well, you know, you can undo a lot of those, yes. too. Just by, being, yes. just by being a loving, caring yes. parent. And, you know? and
2: I, we talk about this all the time, going to your kids and saying, you know what? I could have done that better.
1: Yes. Apologizing to your kids when it when it is merited, yep. I think,
0: is
2: huge. Yep,
0: arms so, are in the air cheering right now. Yeah. I love Joe puts that. his
2: Hands up when he wants to ask a question. To no, him, but no, love.
0: hearing <laughs> hearing Chris say that is so yes. important for the dads that are listening. It is. I think we've all been, you know, like Chris said, this generation of parents in our age group, um, you know, apologizing to your son or daughter. I I never experienced, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. I did have conversations with my parents, but I. Whenever I blow it, and I blow it so frequently with my kids, that um, that I half the time I'm like, "How do I do a podcast called Rad Parenting?" Because I am so not rad. (laughs) Like I am the worst parent, you know, because I just had this blowout. But the thing I've learned is being able to go back and say, "Hey, what happened this morning, man? I was totally out of line." And this, and I like I always say, I always say to my kids, "This is my first time being a dad."
2: And exactly. I'm going to be a great
0: grandfather. I'm going to be great right. grandparent. Right. Your kids are going to love me. But you know what? I blew it today. I, I raised my voice. I said some things. I really wish I hadn't. I hope you'll hope you'll forgive me. And then, and then, you know, my, you know, we go about the rest of our day yeah. and and, try and to move as on. I always
2: say, it gives our kids permission when we do that to also make mistakes, right. to not think that the, the, the bar that we're setting is that you have to be perfect, right. you don't apologize because you don't make mistakes. I mean, right. we don't want to set them up for that. So I think it's a really, really powerful tool that so many parents shy away from and we really shouldn't.
1: I've had the funny experience with my well, – my, my dad passed away years ago, but um, with my mom of – you know, you don't know as a parent what are the moments that you are like scarring your kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly, you don't know the moments that uh, you say something, some offhand comment, and it sticks with them and and like solidifies an opinion for them for the rest of their life that yeah. they take with them forever. And I, I've gone back to my to my mom and even my dad before he he passed away, and like it, you bring something up with them and they don't remember it nope. at all. It meant nothing to them. Yeah, you meant nothing to them. It's like or or they remember it just a one hundred and eighty degree different. From from what you thought, I it's always really say, funny. You I, don't I, yeah. know what those moments are with your own children. Yeah, and
0: when you have those conversations, it's like the Kaiser Sose like does not exist. Like I remember, you know, you say <laughs> things to him. No, I said I've had stories about a my connection. Yeah, no, but no, but like in, like I said to my dad, I had this whole story once with my dad about something that happened, and he just was like, "Joey, Joey, that that never happened." And I was like, "He really." He really had forgotten that. And, and and years later, I asked him, I go, don't, you know, you made, we joked around about it, but you don't. He goes, Joe, I don't remember that. Yeah. And, I, and now, and you said something at the beginning of the podcast. And before we get out of here, I, I, I Nay, and I have a couple more questions, but I, you said something at the beginning of the podcast that was so important that f- once you're a parent, you really learn to love and respect your parents so much more. Absolutely. I recently saw my mom, I was doing a, a show up in Santa Cruz and I spent the whole day with her and, and I said to her, I just said, Mom, I got to tell you, like, I want you to know, like, right now, how rad of a job you did, and I apologize for all the I. Oh my gosh, I thought I knew everything, and then I apologize for when I had my daughter and how I told her, oh, this is the way we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it this way. Right. We don't eat that, yeah. and we don't. Parent that way, because we 're different, and we 're you know what I don't oh, know my. when we first you, had kids. I wish my mom would have punched me in the face because man, I just like I have learned so much and so grateful for them oh, yeah? now mm-hmm.
1: well it's it 's funny you know my like I said, my parents divorced when I was really young, and so it became the sort of the the uh, family lore in our house that my dad was the bad guy, mm. and my mom <laughs> was the was the savior she yep. saved us from my dad, he was mean and you know yelled at us and all this stuff, and so I just sort of i accepted that as reality for a long time you know well into being an adult and it's it's really it's it's strange as after i had kids that i look at my dad in such a different light mm-hmm. and i understand his struggles you know around his you know his marriage to my mom and and yeah, the way sure. he struggled with raising kids and and in his personal life so much more and like i look at things that he did and i go I've totally done that. Am I the bad guy too? You know, yeah, absolutely. no, it's, we're all like, you know, absolutely. we're all complicated and it's, yes. and it's hard. Well, you start
0: seeing your parents as human beings and they're not, you know, I always say like mom and dad are Mick and Keith from, you know, they're just like, oh my God, they're so amazing. And then one day you realize they're, they're not, they're just human beings trying yeah. to figure it out, man. I think about my mom and dad at the age I am now or, and I go, oh my gosh, man, like the fridge was always full and, there was always a roof over my head and the power bill got paid. I, how, the insurance, uh, what? Now I'm, I'm, I don't know how they just weren't like, get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were so loving. My, and they were oh, divorced yeah. just like, you know, yeah. they made yeah. it happen. And yeah, uh, we
1: always had a brand new pair of Vans on our feet and some fresh OP shorts and like whatever we needed, you know, and we didn't grow up with, you know, my yeah. mom was a single mom working and she yeah. handled it. She took and, and, care of it.
0: And we always say it's, it's, it's taking the toolbox that our parents gave us and just kind of updating it to the new tools of parenting that we're trying to incorporate into our own families.
2: So, what would you say um, is whether it's from your things your parents did, your, maybe your mom more than your dad, um, but or both, um, and and or now you in your role as a parent. If there was one tip that you would give somebody listening who's maybe just at the beginning, what mm. is maybe the one thing like, you're like? Here's one thing I know for sure that is like a solid tool to have in your parenting toolbox?
1: Well, I would say, you know, when, when we first started having kids about 12 years ago, it was all about attachment parenting. And mm. we read all these books and, you know, it was all... I, I bet if you went back and reread those books that we all kind of misinterpreted what they actually mm. said. That's, that's my guess. Because it's been a long time since I read them. But the way that we uh, treated our kids was this... Over, like, it was like a little too much respect. Really, and we're paying the price for that now, where we have these kids <laughs> that think they're equals. I would say love your kids, but be strong with them, mm-hmm. and make no mistake about that. Let them cry it out in their crib. Uh, tell them no. Yeah. You don't need to get down on your knees and explain, you know, Liam, I, I respect your feelings right now, and I understand that you're Just, you know what? Some of that stuff I think is well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's practical. I don't think it works. I don't think it does your kids any favors in life. Um, I think that's something we can take from our parents' generation right. uh, that's better. Be strong with your kids and let them have a little more independence. Let them work things out for themselves a little bit more than we all did. And you'll probably have happier children yeah. at the end of the day.
2: I, I, I agree. I mean, the way that I always put that is that we have to um, – I believe that kids want space to figure out who they are with guidelines to feel safe. And right. I think that being strong part is the guidelines. It's saying, right. like, I got you. I got you, and I'm going to reel you back in if you start going. You know, if you start getting out of, out of hand. Um, but but I'm also not going to be on top of you, right. so that there's no room for you to just do your own thing. They are separate individuals to us, and they need to figure it out their own way. One
0: yeah. of the best things I remember there used to be a, it might have been an XM. Serious, uh, Reverend Smooley. Do, do you ever listen no. to him? He was great, and one of the best. He was just this. He was this Rabbi Schmuly, and Rabbi Schmuly, and he just had a show about a real name. Yeah, yeah I was Rabbi say Reverend okay. No, that sorry, Rabbi right. Sorry, <laughs> okay, people. Yeah, Rabbi Schmuly, and he, he one of the best things he ever said was, "Let kids be kids," and and all that they really want to know is that you're you're around, mm-hmm. you're there. Like as long as they know mom and dad are in the house and they're there, it gives them a sense of safety and a sense of security. And, and as long as they know that they can get a hold of you and that yep. you're there, and as they get older. Whether it's, hey, we're going to go to do this thing on our own or go to the park, which I know it's so hard for parents to let their kids walk in their own neighborhood to go to the park because we're so scared of, you know, all the things we've read about happening. But as long as kids know that that you're there and that, that you can be there to help them and still yeah. giving them that independence, I feel, is kind of what Chris is saying, that yeah. at least in our household – we're starting to incorporate because we definitely went down the road of we explain what I feel is we I have two lawyers because they can yes. they just Absolutely. They, they, they negotiate Absolutely. the negotiation that is going on like I, I want my daughter to negotiate like any any deal that is going on at Side One Dummy because she could just get everything <laughs> she she can she can talk I don't even know like I will say no to her and then the next thing I know I'm driving to what I said no to. I'm just uh, how did this happen? No, I'm in I, Malibu I, right I, now. I tell how my kids I'm in Malibu.
1: I tell my kids all the time, like, you think you live in a democracy. You don't. Nope. You live in daddy stand. Sorry. sorry. Yep. That's where you live. And yep. you're going to do what I want you to do because I said so. Okay,
2: wait. I have it. one more question before okay. we wrap this up because I'm dying to know. The and whole I have time. one last question. So. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So okay. Uh, I want to know, do your boys get who you are?
1: Well, that's a really good question. They all came to that. Um, and I watch them all go through it in their in, in different ways, but around the same age. And I think the thing that happens, they you know, they grow up around our band mm-hmm. and and the sort of wackiness of that and being backstage at these right. venues and
2: that's sort of part of just their normal. It's right? totally
1: their normal. Or like you know, flying in a private jet somewhere and sure. all the stuff that you wonder, like you know, that is absolutely just their normal life. Um, but when they figure out. That what you do is different from what other daddies do mm-hmm. uh, happened for all my kids around the same age at school. What, what age? Um, God, when did that happen? It was I think for Liam, my oldest. I remember we were at his school. He must have been in like third grade, yeah. somewhere around there. Sure. And an older kid, like a fifth grader, came up and maybe had a Foo Fighter shirt on uh, and said, and said <laughs> "Very oh, cool. Hey, you know, I love your band. Or, you know, it was like one of those kind of encounters. Oh, I'm a big fan of your band, kind of thing." And I remember the look on Liam's face was just like, huh? This is my dad. Like, why is this you... kid, yeah. other kid talking <laughs> to my dad? He's just my dad. I love it. Um, but I, And then I remember, um, I don't remember specifically how that happened for my middle guy, but it was cute with my youngest. It was when we were on tour last year. My youngest is eight. He's in second grade right now. Um, and all of a sudden on tour, he clued into sort of how the rest of the world views our band. Mm-hmm. And I found him over and over Googling my name and looking at pictures of me online, like on, on his computer. And so it was like that was his sort of way of wrapping his ra- yeah. head around it. And, yeah. he would, and he would ask me like weird questions, about, you know, about Dave, you know. He was real curious about Dave and Taylor and just asking me. He was just trying to figure it yeah. out. Like, what is it? What and were some of the clearly, questions he would ask you? Like, I don't remember, like, you know. Do you say, guys live
0: sometimes hey, together? Do you <laughs> share the same room? <laughs> no, I, re- I remember
1: one time he says, like, so, Dad, does, does Dave write all the songs? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like kinda like his band and you know, we all kinda help out and he goes, do you want to write all the songs I was like,
0: oh my gosh oh, you're
1: getting you're getting in there that's you're getting, crying Yeah, yeah, great <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was cute you know that was sort of his you know it's just his I way of figuring it, it out you yeah. know it's like that's when it hit him like this, my dad does something it would have been
0: thrilling. so great yeah. if you said why can you can you talk to Dave like what do you has he said something I mean would, would that mean I got a bigger split <laughs> no I mean did Dave mention hey buddy yeah. did Dave mention something to me to you cause I, I can give you time. a song to give to him
1: when when I, I think it was Aiman or Dash when they were really young this was not this last tour but the tour before and we had been stuck in an airport somewhere and um some of the guys in our crew were were there too and and my guitar tech sean who's this big uh he's got big crazy hair and a big beard and he's you know he just looks like the classic roadie you know um and he was off playing over in the corner with with uh with i think it was Eamon, and later on um Amen says to us like the next day he goes hey daddy can i have a play date with sean <laughs> and I and I go, you mean Shane? Because Taylor's son is Shane, and oh, they're about the yeah. same age. I said, you mean Shane? Said, yeah, we can have a play date with Shane. He goes, no, it's with Sean. And he was talking about my tech. He wanted to have a play date with Sean. <laughs> wow,
0: that says a lot about Sean. <laughs> totally. Sean's awesome. But I was Aww. like, absolutely not, son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris, Chris, I got to thank you so much for being a part of Rad Parenting. Before we leave, though, um, I do got to say this. Um, I, the last question I have, have for you, we've talked about so much. We've talked about your upbringing in Santa Barbara. We brought it through uh, your relationship with your own father and mother, how important that was to you. Uh, talking about music, how that became a part of your life. Uh, the thing I got to ask you, the last question I have is becoming a father. What's the what's the biggest surprise and biggest Mm -hmm. thing and change that you realize that you never anticipated. I mean, you've played, I've seen you play in front of a hundred thousand people. I've seen you do solos at the Staples or at uh, the the forum, guitar solos. I'm so proud of you. And I watch, I'm like, that's my bro. And and doing amazing things. You know, you're, you're, I used to joke around, this guy's done Letterman. He did Letterman so many times. I said, you can leave your clothes there because you could just (laughs) go back and do it again. With all of that said, Becoming a dad—what's the biggest thing that that hit you that you didn't expect?
1: Well, I think for probably for anybody, becoming a parent um, is the first time in your life that you it really, it just it's your life just is no longer about you. Yep. You know what I mean? It's so much of what you do prior to that is about yourself and your ego and pursuing your whatever your journey in life. And the second you have kids, that all flips on its head. I mean, there's other things like for me you know i was the guy as you you remember i would sleep till noon and you know sleep till noon or one every day and i'd be out till seven in the morning and just living that life and i had kids and my whole life turned completely upside down yeah and it's been long enough now that like i i think maybe one of the biggest surprises i don't miss my old i don't miss being 25 Uh, or whatever i don't miss the way i lived back then i think that's what people don't understand about having kids it's like it's so cliche and so sappy to say it, but it just gets better and better and better. And you can never – it's, it's a love you don't know with anything else. It's not like the way you love your parents or your brothers or your wife or anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's, this, it's just all-encompassing. It's like nothing makes you happier than, than when you see your kids smile. Or eat or anything. It's just yeah. the greatest. Yeah, you know? it's true. It's
0: He's true. so awesome. Yeah, it's
2: and true. It's, and it's forever. That was the big right. thing for me. Was the, exactly what you said. It's no longer just about me, but also, oh my gosh, this is forever. Like I yeah. could end a marriage. I could change jobs. I can, you know. But this little person, I'm responsible for until the day I die.
0: Yeah. Responsible to the day I die. That's that's pretty, That, that we're, I say we just end it with that. For anyone that's thinking about making a kid, maybe after this, you're responsible to the day you die. Uh, I got to thank everyone that's been listening to the show. Chris, uh, thank you so oh, much yeah, for being a part of our show. This has you. been Thanks awesome. It's, it's so been one fun. of the longest ones we've done. We're coming pleasure. up on 50 minutes. Oh, it's so yay. great to,
1: to come talk about something other than music. Well, you know, I mean, even when we talked about that a little bit, but it's it's just great. It's so fun. Well, That's you know it. what?
0: You've been, you know, from when I you were one of the main guys to talk me into doing this because we were both talking about kids.
1: Well, you know, Car and I were talking about this the other day. You guys were such a huge influence on our decision to start having kids and to move back to LA. We, I don't know if you even remember we Car and I, my wife, we're, were living in New York and we came out to LA and we went to. Uh, get together at your house, and I think it was you guys, and you had just had Chessa. Yeah. And I think Bill and April were yeah. there, and I don't know if they'd had. Um,
0: uh, I think April might have been pregnant.
1: She might have been yeah. pregnant, and we saw your guys' life,
0: and we went, that's what we want. Oh. Wow. We want that too. Oh. Okay, crying right now again. God, I jog, oh, what I cry. A way to I, end. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love it. it. Hey, anyone has any questions? About that get together, you can email us uh, at <laughs> uh, Rad. <laughs> no, just... Hey, anybody you want on the show, and uh, do me a favor uh, anyone listening to the show, please go to iTunes. You got to do the reviews. Uh, that makes such a difference, uh, and people get to hear about the show. Any questions, or anybody you want on the show, or anything that yeah, you want to talk about? Let this... us know what you think. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Radparenting at gmail.com. Check out Chris's podcast one more time with Walking
1: that. Walking the Floor, you can find it in the iTunes store or walkinthefloor.com.
0: Absolutely. Nice. And uh, if you're a fan of like WTF, you will love Chris's podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you've had everyone from Mike Ness, Stevie Caballero, Jack Grisham, all these people that I love, plus a lot of um, musicians that I never knew anything about. and Dwight
1: Yoke yeah. Merle Haggard,
0: all yeah. those right. guys. All, yeah. yeah, Merle Haggard, interview.
2: You're not messing around. He's
1: not. We're, yeah, like I, we're trying. We're well, what we're did done.
0: I say at the beginning? When Chris does something, he does it 100%. <laughs> I love that. And the thing I love about Chris, too, he's never late.
1: I wasn't late today. You're never I was thinking late about now. that when I pulled in. That was you gave that speech at my wedding, which was did I, I say that at your wedding? Day. Yeah, you said said just like everything else in in Chris' life, he's right on time.
0: Wow,
2: nice. I Boom. wish I could
0: say that about me. All right, we're <laughs> out of here. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Late,
2: late.